You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello. Hello, listeners. Hello, world. What are you doing in that cap? Oh, wait, that's not you. That's, I, that's I don't you. wear a cap. That's you in The Sims. <laughs> Before the after the show semi discussion is me cranking up The Sims again. Sims Four. Sims Four. I bought you The Sims Four for a Christmas present one year. Yep. And when it was new, and you played it a little bit, and you're really into The Sims, and you realize very quickly because at the beginning when The Sims Four came out, my story for me. Yeah. Nice. When The Sims Four came out, it wasn't. It felt like it wasn't finished. All the fans were complaining. This wasn't working. That wasn't working. And you quickly went back to The Sims 3. I did. And I think you forgot you had The Sims 4. I did. And now, when you've gone back to it, you're like, wow. Look at me sitting at that table eating something. It looks really good. It's like... (laughs) I made... Of course, I made me and you. I mean, we look like me and you. You and I. Yeah. They really do. I've got my big butt, my blonde ponytail, and you've got your dark ponytail, and your skinny ass, and your jogging pants. (laughs) I know what pants. (laughs) Jogging pants. That's my trademark. I like to wear Adidas, uh, <laughs> jug- you know. Track- we're all so stupid and like, <laughs> we're like our own logo of ourselves to the world, right? I wear the same pretty much clothes. My capris rolled you just up like and my white like, socks. And then you, and then you <laughs> but it that. becomes like your yeah. brand. It really does. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, if you're the guy you... Like, I don't have a style. I have an actual look. Right. Like a shirt. We all do, don't we? Well, I have a friend who's like super, you know, fashiony and dressed up and she does her hair and her nails and has her fake tan and she does her hair really nice and her clothes aren't the same every day, but she always looks put together. But even if your look is middle-aged But I could, man, I could make a sim of her and you'd know it's her. I'm saying we all have a look, even if your look is like boring, <laughs> middle-aged salesman. IT, IT professional. <laughs> or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. that is a look. I don't know what I am though. You're just... Middle-aged fat woman. <laughs> If that's a look. I think it is. <laughs> I think I've made it. I'm 49. I've hit the jackpot. I've got the look. And you definitely, do you classify, is middle age, you're definitely middle age now. Right? Well, if I live to be 100, I am middle age, yes. I'm 49. And if you lived in the middle ages. If I live to be 80, I'm past middle age. If I live to be 50, I'm fucked. Because yeah. I've got like less than a year Nobody ago. actually knows <laughs> when they're at middle age because they don't know when Correct. they're going to die. So if you, if you died at 20... You'd already been through your middle age. Ten. Oh, that's deep. <laughs> oh my god, that is deep. So there you go. There are some children who are Whoa. in the middle age right Don't now. Don't say that. I mean, there are though, because many that. people die young. <gasps> that's a terrible thing to say, though. But I understand. True? Maybe there's a lot of thirty-year-olds in their middle age right now, and they don't even think about it. True. That they'll say, they'll ignore the child comment because that's <laughs> terrible, absolutely horrible. Well, you got to face up to things. <laughs> So, on, on that happy note, we are going to review a movie. It is Saturday, December the 17th. It's almost Christmas time. And this is after the show number 458. The movie we're looking at this week, we look at a different Blu-ray every week. This week's one is Suicide Squad. It's a 2016 movie released on Blu-ray on December the 13th, so you can pick this one up now. It's rated PG-13. We watch the extended cut. There are two different versions. And uh, it's from our friends at Warner Brothers. 
And Sitar, will you give the synopsis of the movie Suicide Squad? A bunch of bad people, criminals, are recruited to do something to save the world. Very well and succinct. I don't want you bitching about my synopsis anymore. Alright, so this is the uh, basically the follow-up to Batman v Superman, which we saw, you know, a couple of months ago. And this is the next movie in the DC universe of things that have that has only really just started with Man of Steel, whereas Marvel have been going on and on and on for years now, right? So the third movie focuses on these bad guys. Uh, spoilers. Batman versus Superman. Batman <laughs> 1. <laughs> you think some people haven't seen it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, probably not. Anyway, yeah, Batman 1, Superman didn't. Hence there's no Superman. And this movie <laughs> this movie starts with a world, you know, this world doesn't have a Superman, but they need something to protect them. So Amanda Waller, who you've seen in the other movies, gets together this group. I don't remember her. Yeah, she was in Batman v Superman. I don't remember her at all. Oh. I don't. Weird. Yeah, weird. I don't recall her. Well, she was. And <laughs> <laughs> now you see her in this uh, movie, and she's decided her little plan is to get... They've got a bunch of Gotham and... What's the other city called? Midway City. And the si- Metropolis. They've got a bunch of villains basically in maximum security and these villains are good at one thing or good at a couple of things or they've got skills so let's get a group like a superhero team or a villain team together and um, we'll use them for good in this instance but as you know in in when you get villains together and you tell them you're going to do something for good they're probably not going to follow the rules no no (laughs) in fact Almost instantaneously, they want to escape. But listen to be realistic. If you want me to face up to things, heroes don't do all the rules either. No. Heroes... Which these movies ex- we yeah. explore, don't they? With yeah. The Superma- with Batman v Superman basically explored Man of Steel, the aftermath of Man of Steel, where Superman actually... Innocent people got killed because of him. He's still following the rules, but I mean, they don't always make no. the decision that you would think they're supposed to make. So I do like how DC does that. They're not. Necess- they're not like. I they mean, say Marvel doesn't. Well, Marvel did do it with the Battle of New York in uh, the Avengers, and then the aftermath of that, they kind of, you know, they had the, I, well, the one Iron Man where they were kind of depressed because they killed, pe- you know, people had died, and they were trying to save people, but people died in the aftermath. But these are a bit darker, I think, the DC movies, and this one especially. While it's fun, and this it's is a fun dark. movie. Yeah. It's dark, isn't it? It's like a, it's a, you know. It's a PG-13, but it didn't feel like that to me. It felt like it was, you know, a bit more mature than that. So, what uh, did you think of Suicide Squad? I had a really good time. I thought it was... It's a bit heavy-handed at time with the craziness. You know, individuals being crazy or whatever. Mixed with someone else being... Like, Fire Guy is sort of down... Diablo. He's... Sort of over it all, whereas, you know, Harley Quinn is complete nutbag. And the way they, not just the way they perform them, which is fine, each of them individually is great, it's just that you mix that together and sometimes you get a caricature set of people, and then other times you get like, okay, we're digging into what a real 
person who's had to do this kind of stuff would really go through. So it was kind of a, I had to switch modes a lot. Are we really going dark and gritty or are we going cartoony and comic booky? Other than that. It's right in the middle of all that, isn't it? I really liked it. Yeah. I couldn't, I mean, we're going to get into individual characters? Well, I really enjoyed it too. I've, I've enjoyed all these DC movies. They definitely have a um, cohesiveness. They fit, you know, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and this. There's a running thread through them, and they also have the same kind of tone, which is darker than Marvel stuff. It's it's quite obvious they're going for a darker tone. This one, while it is on a darker tone, it's also full of humour. Like, there's lots of humour in it. So that might be where, you know, it gives you mixed messages sometimes. Yes, totally. I don't mind that, though. It's balanced out enough. It's not the kind of movie where... I'm rolling my eyes at every one-liner, and it's not the kind of move where I'm like, oh, I need some relief from the misery, you know? Um, Batman vs. Superman was pretty heavy, even yeah, though it really was very heavy. comic booky. It also wasn't very funny. Not at know? all. So this has the funny in a different way. Like, the, like, wackiness of her and a couple of the other characters... Where you're just lightened up a bit. Maybe it's not humor, but it's just like you're, you can breathe a little bit between the like hardcore shit. I, I, and that's the thing about this movie. It just feels fun. It's not heavy. Like Batman v Superman was very heavy and it was, you know, kind of grim the entire time. This just feels like it's the closest, if I had to compare with Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy. This is like DC's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's full of music. It's full of color. It's colorful. And the characters are colorful and varied. And they're interesting as a bunch. Guardians of the Galaxy, same kind of thing. A bunch of different do people. Some are villains, some are, you know, good. But it, and it's full of music and it's bright colors. It's different from Marvel's that. Do you think we're just really dumb? Well, like, Guardians of the Galaxy is different from Marvel's other I mean, stuff, as in you, it makes you laugh, it's funny. If you funny. throw us a few, you know, sort of like entertaining characters and a little bit of music and a little bit of frivolity and a little bit of thinking, but not much, not too much, don't get too deep, and a big thing, we're all going to save the world, and humanity is the, the center of the whole universe, and then we all end up going, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. That makes us kind of dumb. Now, one thing <laughs> I would say about Suicide Squad... Myself included. ...on the negative uh, aspect of this movie, because it isn't a perfect movie. Is, a, is any movie a perfect movie? The negatives I have, and we did watch the extended cut, I feel like it's not extended enough, because the first 30 minutes of the movie where they're establishing all the characters, because there's so many characters and they've got so many backstories... It feels like I would, I'd like another half an hour of that. Because some of them just get glossed over completely. Like, like, it's very, like, we see Harley Quinn a little bit more. Yeah. And we see Deadshot more. But the others, like Captain Kangaroo, it's so like. Captain Kangaroo. Yeah, you know, that's his name, isn't it? Captain Kangaroo. Is it? Yeah. The Australian guy. Yeah, he could have blown his head off for a for like Captain he was, Boomerang. He was nothing. Was like nothing. I'm sure I'm gonna offend some comic book freaks out there, but I'm telling you now. Him and Crocodile Boy could have just been fuck they're just they could have been you could have switched pushed that but little still, button on the app and blown their heads off and I would have been fine. But still if if they deserved um They deserved the to be better characters. 
See, I, I like Killer Croc a lot, but... You only like him because you have a backstory. I do, and that's what I'm saying. This movie doesn't... It yeah. could have given you the. It could have given you a better backstory. Even his backstory, I don't care about. I care about him in every scene and what he can offer, and that he can't fucking speak properly because of his makeup, and he has nothing to offer except. Okay, finally, you're like, oh, maybe a little swimming, so you're a crocodile. Well, huh. genius. I mean, come on. It was completely useless. Well, not just him. It's not just he's that's very he strong. He yeah, but he didn't do anything yeah. else except fight with everybody else. So that. Well, he could be a cool character. And he him, is. In the comic. And Kangaroo Boy, whatever. Captain Boomerang is his oh, official name. Oh, it's just complete. It's like um, when we watch The Mummy and they stick in the idiot Englishman. They've stuck in the English Aussie to make you laugh at some stupid person who, while everybody else is kind of intense and deep, he's the like, oh yeah, mom, let's party. I loved... Um, that's, that's <laughs> one, of, one of the things about Captain Boomerang I loved is he's, on, he's, so, he's like such a tough guy on high alert all the time. When they deliver him in that bag, and he jumps out of the bag, <laughs> yeah, and he instantly starts out. fighting. Like, like his intensity <laughs> and his performance, I'm fine with. It's that the character is just nothing. He offers nothing. It's one of those um, DC. It's like we need an Australian superhero. What's the thing in Australia? Oh, boomerangs. There you go. Do they? That's the, where where he came from. It's it's how Stan Lee is guilty of that too. Like. Why don't we have one from every single country then? That makes no sense. There are many from all the ones that you haven't heard of because yeah. they never never really caught on. So, There's a lot of them. So they pick Captain Boomerang. Yes, it's, it's almost a dude insulting. who throws a boomerang. Yeah. Where do these come from, by the way? He they keep getting destroyed, and then he has another one. Are they coming out of his ass? Well, yeah. Of course. <laughs> he gets them from the bar. I'm sorry. There's this particular characters. Those are the only. You know, I had to sort of struggle through, like, I get it, we can't have full stories on everybody, but the lines and their input and their participation in the different scenes could have been more. And if you're saying, yeah, but he did this in the comic and he did that in the comic, that doesn't matter to me. I've never read one school comic. I mean, I've read some of the Suicide Squad. And I've never played the game, Arkham Asylum, so I don't know all the stuff about them. Right. Um, so, yeah, that first half an hour where they're actually introducing everything... And because there's a lot to introduce, and as a viewer who knows nothing about it, if you are one of those, not a DC fan, they need to explain stuff. And I feel like it's super rushed. It's really, can, like, this. it's scene after scene, just shoveled together, that's how it felt like to me, and then it, it kind of calmed down in the middle of the movie. Like, it, it got, it started to become more cohesive. Like, it was a lot of upfront stuff that it kind of damaged the movie a little bit for me. Just because some of them weren't fleshed out enough, so when they were in the squad, I was like, "I like you. I don't yeah. give a shit about him because I don't know nothing about him." But Harley Quinn, I like her because you've told me enough about her. It's like when you but watch that's the idea. It's like when you watch the X Factor or something like yeah. that, and there's those little VTs. They manipulate the audience into liking the certain ones. Always. So there's no way somebody's going to watch this movie and go, "Oh yeah, Crocodile Boys are my favorite one." Killer Croc is the one I'm rooting for because you're not invested in him at all. But what if he is your favorite from Arkham Asylum or from the comic? And then you're disappointed, right? I don't know if you're disappointed. I mean, it's just a movie, so you need to get over it. But you would be like, right, well, that's not the character that I am familiar with. I would would guess. Whereas Harley Quinn takes takes on the whole of Harley Quinn and, you know, the eagle eye, whatever he is. Deadshot. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> it is my trademark that I don't actually memorize everyone's little nicknames, so be prepared to correct me. But you whenever. do know who Ben Affleck is, right? Mm, Jason Gamer? <laughs> yeah, and Batman does appear. <laughs> Batman is in this movie a little bit. and uh, uh, Ben Affleck is Daredevil. That's it. Yeah. Ben Affleck does turn up, which I thought... I didn't actually know he was going to turn up, so that was pretty cool when he did. So I was... I barely. Was, yeah, barely, but enough for me to go, oh, yeah, Batman's still around here, you know? We are kind of dumb. So that's enough. I liked it. To go, oh, Batman! So the story itself, this story, the Suicide Squad, I really liked it. I liked the foe that they're dealing with, which is this witch. Yeah, I like that. And her brother. They're awesome, right? They really... It's, it's this... All, the power that she has. But we don't understand them very well. Again, at the beginning, they just... its She's, she's not really developed very much either. That's one of we, the problems. They're telling us why this soldier guy is so invested. That's right. it. And how we can control her. Right. And explain her power, what it is. She's a witch. I mean, she's not a witch necessarily. She's like an ancient um, spirit witch. She was a... Uh, a who people thought was a goddess. They weren't gods, but the, he said the humans used to think we were gods. Yeah. So they're just like this powerful entity. And it's like voodoo magic. I mean, they can do crazy shit. Like, the thing that she does, when they, they're they trying to sell her to the, uh, like... No, not necess- not actually sell her. Amanda Waller's trying to <laughs> se- like sell the idea of the Suicide yeah. Squad to the all the head honchos. And she brings her in, and, and she literally disappears in the blink of an eye. And then appears again, and she's got this top-secret document from another country. And they're like, we, we, you know, we've... we've tried Do you think them. the idea of how the controller is a bit flimsy? I get it. I get it, because it, it does slow her down a bit, but she's too powerful, and we, it's proven that you can't really control her. Yeah, so when, it, when they show that power off, I was like, wow, so, so, that is kind of mind-blowing. I can't wait to see what they do with that, because, you know, she can just appear. Think anyway. about her and her brother, though. They're not an enemy, necessarily. They don't give a shit about America or Russia or Tuzbekistan or Mexico or anything. They only want to just rule all of humanity. So they're not really an enemy as in, you know, coming at us from... Some point of view from like another country or no. used as a weapon, or they literally just want to like squash us like little bugs. And again, I guess but- that's an enemy, but you know, she doesn't care about either side or anything like that. She just that's what I liked about her. And again, in another D- DC film, because of her and her brother, a city gets destroyed, <laughs> another city gets destroyed. Correct. Suicide Squad gets sent into that city to squash it. But they don't know actually what they're going in to do. Mm-hmm. They just think, you know, cities run wild. The story's a bit flimsy, if you ask me about all that. Like, we're just doing this, and you're all going to get a little... We got a little trinket to show you, or we're going to kill you. So just do what we say, and then that's yeah. it. It's a bit flimsy. They do that running very... man thing. Yeah. Where, that, where you, you might be asking as a viewer, well, if you send a lot of criminal, uh, you know, elite criminals in, aren't they just going to kill everybody and, and rule the place? Well, no. You might also be asking, what's Running Man? (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, because they insert this thing in the neck, and Amanda Waller's got this app, and if she presses your little face on the app, your head will blow up. Yeah. So that's what's stopping them, because they have to have that, don't they? Because the The thing is, though, if you're fucking psychotic, you're not going to care. You're going to do, you're going to go down fighting, right? Yeah. So I don't think that we're giving them, we are, if you're bigging them up as like these sort of, Un, 
fixable criminal mind sociopaths. They're not going to care if their head blows up. I mean, they're really well, not. Well, I think they want to survive, right? But I don't think I don't think a true sociopath, if we're going that route, would. You know, I think the, I think Captain Kangaroo of all of them would just go down. I think if the Joker had it in him, he wouldn't. He he would. You know, like there's a scene in this movie where he mm-hmm. tells Harley to kill him and stuff. I think if the Joker had it, yeah, I think the Joker might be a sociopath enough for him not to give a shit and say just blow it. Look. See, I think he's the opposite, though. I think he's too in love with himself. Hmm. You know? So, this mission I really liked. It's fun as it unravels, and I really like the body. But as in a lot of these superhero type, I mean, super villain type movies, I find it anticlimactic when they have to defeat something. Yeah. Because I always think, well, that was a cool idea, and now you've nixed that. You've just got rid of it because <laughs> you killed it. Yeah, but yeah, what are you going to do? Let it just destroy it? What do you want? To actually rule the world, that would be good. That would be a better ending. So then the next movie, humanity is enslaved by these ancient spirits. And then our superheroes really yeah. have something to contend with. So yeah, it's a cool it's a whole, a whole cool setup. It's um I love music in movies and this movie has a good soundtrack. It has a lot of like you know, it has the Rolling Stones, it has Queen. It's full of music. Sometimes I think a little bit too much, and I like that kind of thing. There's a, there's like a scene where Harley Quinn's going up in an elevator and they like start playing the music. And because they start playing the music, there's no, like, there's no surprise. Because I'm like, oh, music is playing, she's going to be badass now. Yeah. So there's no surprise to it, because you've got kind of, um, there's been so much music every time somebody does something cool, up to that point. It starts to wear thin, like, you know? If you wear a rock song or a pop song starting up, that's when the stuff's going to happen. Something big going to happen. Yeah. So it might be a little bit overused, I think, and I love music in if it's the right music in movies to emphasize things. But in this, it's kind of like they're going for that punk rock, splash paint on the screen, play music. You know, even at the beginning where they show each person, they like put the character bio up on the screen really fast. It's all trying to be like really flashy. Yeah. Those character bios, by the way, they're not on the screen long enough for you to read them. It's really annoying. Just another few more seconds. We're not. It is. I agree. We're not all like super speed readers. In fact, I was reading Harley Quinn's little bio that came up, and uh, if you don't read, you know, you'd have to pause it if you want to read it all. But I started reading it from the bottom up because I knew I wasn't going to get to sit read it all, and her name and stuffs at the top, and who cares? I read it from the bottom up, and one of the crimes was that she killed Robin. I noticed. Oh. So that's a thing that's massive, and it's not. You know, you have Is that to... what happened in the comic? Right. So, I, I, only because I started reading from the bottom up did I catch that. But yeah, they're really quick with all that stuff. Trying to be music video-y and cool, aren't they, at the beginning? So now we need that movie, right? We do. So, moving on to the cast, I think we can say the movie really liked it. I think I it stands alone. If you can go and watch Man of Steel, Batman v Superman and this, I think it's a great night at the movies Ooh, you know? that's nine hours almost yeah it's I mean, but it's a really, a really <laughs> I mean not nine maybe eight hours it's a really cool story and it feels different because Man of Steel's one thing and then there's the big fight thing and then there's this is it Man of is, Steel? yeah the first movie hmm. it started with Man of Steel right? I thought that was the one that nobody liked 
Which one's the one nobody liked? Man of Steel, people didn't like it as much, but I it's more of my favourite. What was the one before that, the Superman that nobody liked? Well, that was before, way before. I know, but what was it called? Superman Returns. Oh, you're right. Okay, got it. The one with Kevin Spacey. I love yeah, that forget that. That's not part of this. <laughs> this is the Zack Snyder It's thing. all part of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they restarted at A Man of Steel, so they're the three movies we've got so far. And the next one will be Wonder Woman, which, from the trailer, looks like the kind Do of thing. Do we have two Superman movies already? New yeah. ones? We have Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. I thought there was another one. No. Okay. Three movies. Three DC movies so far. And four when Wonder Woman comes out. You act like I should just know this. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I liked the story. It feels different enough to the other two to um, be like a like a change of pace. So, uh, moving on to the cast, and I think this film lives and dies from the cast, and I think they got it right in a lot of ways. Number one is Will Smith as Deadshot. What did you think of Will Smith? That was good. I mean, he takes himself pretty seriously, but... He's the most, like, human... Oh, he is just a normal human, I'm assuming. I don't know why he's such a good shot. Yeah, I don't they know They call them metahumans. So there's something going on where he can just shoot anything, like... It's pretty impressive on. when he demonstrates it. But he's just a dude. And he's got, his, like, his normal problems of a dude. A daughter and a shitty ex-partner who isn't raising the daughter very good. And that's his Achilles heel. And in But he's fine, he's always good. He's almost always good. Shouldn't say always, but And he's not like he's a hitman in real life before he gets captured. I mean it shows you him doing one of his missions. Is that his superpower? He's just taking <laughs> money and killing people. Like so he's, he's assassinating. using his power, yeah. whatever it is, to make him a good shot as an assassin. To earn money. His, his daughter doesn't have any money. Right. It's kinda of weird. But I get... we saw his checking account. It was like yeah. twenty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, no zero books at one point. No, it? that was yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, Deadshot, if there's any of these characters that I think should get their own movie, it, it's well, there's a few of them, but Deadshot, I really, really liked it. I like Will Smith playing him. I just don't feel I know enough about Deadshot, and I'm like, oh, I would like a movie where Deadshot is featured prominently because yes, I know what it, I yes, I know what it is that about him. It's a bit like you know Daredevil the TV show on Netflix, when The Punisher was introduced, I was I kept thinking to myself, this version of The Punisher is so good, why isn't there a Punisher show so I know, can learn more about him? And now there is going to be. I feel like that about Deadshot. DC maybe should branch out into, I know they do the TV shows, but more graphic TV shows that could go on Netflix, and uh, they could have a Deadshot show, and it'd be really good, but would Will Smith sign up for a TV show like that? I don't know. Don't think so. But there's a lot to that character, I think, that we could see that you don't see here. We've only seen a tiny little bit of it. Um, but I liked him. I think he brings... Will Smith always brings something that makes it feel more legit, a movie. Do you get, do you get what I'm saying? Don't know. I think... I don't know. He's got like something about... He's, he's very charismatic in whatever he plays. I don't know if that makes the movie more legit. Because, I mean, everybody's pretty good. Then, yeah. Um, second, Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. I'm amazed that we haven't had a big screen Harley Quinn ever. Like, you know, Harley Quinn, even you as a not non-comic fan, you know who Harley Quinn is, right? I never knew, no. You didn't know until this movie? Not really. I mean, I heard of her, but... I mean, she's 
If you read the comics I've or play the video games, Kevin you'll... Smith named his daughter after her. Right. <laughs> now I've seen a lot of different versions of Harley Quinn over the years, especially in the video games uh, and in comics. And this is about as perfect as I could imagine a Harley Quinn on the screen. She's got the, you know, she looks like Harley Quinn, first off. I mean, that's not due to the woman. It's due to the makeup and the costume. But she's got the... Crazy. Yeah. It's, she's funny, which she is in the, even in the uh, video games. Yet she's insane. Like, she's literally insane. Like uh, because And you do get quite a lot of her backstory in this movie. But, again, it's real kinetic. And, like, I would like them to have spent ten more minutes with Harley Quinn and the Joker. But they didn't, you know? They really, like, music videoed it down, like, to this small... Here's an action scene, here's an it action scene. It was not scene. about them. It isn't, but they do develop... They don't... That's I know it's not about them, but they need that's my problem with the beginning of this movie. They don't develop anybody enough for you to give a shit. If they spent ten more minutes or five more minutes even on each character and give them more of a ten more minutes for each character would add an hour and ten minutes. Fine, then a three hour <laughs> Batman v Superman was three hour. You know what I mean? Like they can do a three hour movie. So what did you think of uh, Harley Quinn? No, I loved her. I mean, I don't... I think that... Because I, I don't know anything about her. She She's just, very funny in this. They've explained why. A little bit, kind of why. There must have been something wrong with her to begin with. I don't really like the fact that they put her in with this crazy guy. Then she just falls in love with him. And then she becomes his, like, super stupid slave person. That I don't like. And I disagree with the guy who said she's her own person now. Because she's not. Because everything she does is because they made her this sappy woman who falls in love with a charismatic, manipulative freak. It doesn't make her strong or anything, but now he's dunked her in the weird, crazy shit. I assume that's what makes her go completely crazy. Yeah, I'm the... Yeah, and so it's all a result of her, the making her into this, like, oh, I've fallen in love and I'll do anything for love kind of person. Now, she pulls it off as this most optimistic... She loves love. She wants everything to have a happy ending. So I can kind of trace that back to a woman who may have been sort of desperately needy for love and then falls for the guy. Yeah, she falls for the joker in the mental But ultimately, style. she's doing it all for him, though. And that irritates me. But she does a good job of it. I don't like that she's not an independent person. Because at any time, if he wanted to just kill her and drop her off, then because he's in charge. You know, now, yes, he sacrifices a lot to come save her and stuff. But I don't know that... I don't know. I mean, they're just trying to... like their, their relationship is, like, completely effed up in the comics. Yeah, but she didn't... But there's she, only a hint of it here. It's not like they, she chose... She didn't become what she is for any reason other than, I want you to love me. Yeah. You know? So I don't really like that part. She is very funny. There's some very funny... Yes. Yeah, she is the... Comedy without it being comedy, you know what I mean? The yeah. kind of like, Ugh. it's just no that, like when she does a funny one-liner in some movies, it's like oh groan. Like sometimes yeah. Tony Stark, it's like oh please no, don't need that. But in this, when she does a one-liner, it doesn't feel like a one-liner. It just feels like something Harley Quinn would say, because that's what she says. My favorite part was when, when they first get dropped off 
and they're all together and they've not really they don't really know each other properly and she's wandering up and down them trying to like get them to um you know like let's escape like saying it to yeah. each one yeah she's like uh why don't we why don't we just kill everybody and leave <laughs> she's going up and she's testing all of them to see which one is best to stick with like she's always on this you know weird mission to succeed i guess or survive but uh, yeah she's very funny I think she's the perfect choice for it. I can't wait to see her in more DC films. They're doing a DC film um, called Sirens of DC, which is all the female villains and heroes kind of against each other. And uh, she's going to be back in that one. So uh, I look forward to seeing her because she really plays it perfectly. It's um, it's really fun and it's re- she's violent, but she's fun, you know. Next up is Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. You don't remember from the other film. What do you think of Viola Viola Davis? She's really uh, hardcore. Like, she took it on as this woman has some kind of past that I have to be 100% concrete. Again, another character who I would like to see more of. More of what happened before this to make her like what she is like. Yeah, and there's got to be something going on with yeah. her, meta-human-wise, because she survived whatever that witchy lady did And she's her. very interested in, in this whole thing. Like, it's like a, a pet project to get this off the ground. Um, it, originally, before Viola Davis was going to do this part, it was going to be Oprah Winfrey, but she turned it down. Would it have made a difference? I like Viola Davis. Everybody would make a difference. Uh, the Joker uh, is played by Jared Leto. Um, what did you think of this? Now, the Joker's a big thing for people because, obviously, Heath Ledger was the last Joker. It was really incredible, I have to say, like, even rewatching them. That scene where he blows the hospital up, holy shit, he's good. So, anybody stepping into the Joker's shoes is, is very highly criticised, or what did you think of this version of the Joker? I'll be honest, it's my least favourite thing except for Mr. Kangaroo of the whole movie. I don't like the... First of all, looping in this movie is a problem a lot of the time. So if you don't know what looping is, it's when they have done their scenes on set and then they go back later and re-record the audio and then lay it over the top. And a lot of times it doesn't match or it's mumbly or it's weird and he has the same problem because his teeth have all been bashed out and he has these fake teeth. So he has to like, work around it sometimes and I guess that would be how it is. You know, I mean, I didn't, really under, I didn't not understand him. Sometimes I didn't because it's just like, and then there's just this like, there's no relief from the batshit craziness, and then you have to keep watching. He keeps organizing these big, huge set action pieces. You know, he's got helicopters and men in suits, and he's got the cops, and he's got gangsters working for him. He's got the mob working for him, and he can infiltrate anybody in anywhere, anytime. But all you see is batshit crazy. You never see any sign that this human being, whatever he met a human being, whatever he is, can yeah, actually do anything productive. I mean, he's not normal. He got dunked in that stuff. I mean, he's remember? insane. Yeah, and he's also been dumped. I mean, he's got no superpowers of, uh, as apart from being crazy. And right. He's not like a superhero. He can't punch harder or anything like that. He's just, just a nuts. nut. Yeah. <laughs> what is the real story of the Joker? That's it. He's a nut too. He's like kind of like... um. He's clever, 
but he's a nut at the same time. Like, he's very clever. He can orchestrate things and... Yeah, like, but we don't see that. That's no, my don't problem. See any of that. That's my only, that's my big problem with him. And the constant crazy, where there's never even a hint of, like, you know, it's all feels very self-indulgent for Jared Leto as performing and the director's in love with it and everybody around him is in awe of it. And I can feel that in every scene. Everybody's just like, oh, he's fucking awesome as the Joker. And see, someone else can be the Joker. It's just like, it's just like hanging there in the air. This forced Joker is awesome, so you all have to believe it. And I don't feel like he is. I feel like I have to have some relief from it. I also have some downtime. I need some not mumbled lies and lies. You get no downtime from any Joker, though. The Joker's insane. No, we get a lot of downtime from the from the Heath Ledger Joker. I'm not saying it's a Heath Ledger thing. I'm saying it's a expectation that or the Jack director. Nicholson. Yeah, you, you get the story, they tell you a story, they tell you a down story, Again. but we don't get that this time. Because this movie has to do a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Like, it, that's the... Yeah, but it, if it has an issue, like three lines much. of just in a scene where you're just, take a breath, don't be the mumbling psychopath, tell us a thing, and we'll move on. It'll take like 30 seconds. Instead of, there's this constant emotion of the... Uh, uh, and... That's very comic booky, but then we look at Red Eye Boy, which is Will Smith, dead and he's shot. not yeah, dead shot, and he's not a caricature at all of anything other than a dude. And the contrast sometimes it's a little bit. I need some. I need Will Smith to be a little bit more something, no. just a tint, and then I need the Jared Leto to just calm down for a minute. In Batman v Superman, people didn't like Jesse Eisenberg as. Um, Lex Luthor. I think Jesse Eisenberg and Jared What? Some people. And Jared Leto are kind of the. Th- I think if you didn't like that, you probably didn't like this because they're trying to be real hyper. Like, um, I don't know if I'd class them the same because Jared Leto's better at his performance than the other guy. I really do think that. No. If you would if you would plunk him out of this movie and put him in a movie where everybody is him and Harley Quinn, and everybody is hyped up and crazy, and you've got the witch who's totally psych, you know, like cranked up on the level of like comic book weirdness, like the Arkham Asylum movie, basically, like everybody's wacky. Everybody something, the and then give each of them a little bit of groundedness. I mean, the balance is what overall this movie balances itself out individually. When I start. When I'm watching each individual character, I'm just hoping for that one little something. Now, one thing that the Jared Leto Joker did for me was whenever he was on the screen, which is not a lot, by the way, he makes you feel uneasy in some way. I could imagine he made people on the set feel uneasy, too, because he is that method actor who is, like they say in the extras, he's the Joker whenever he comes on the set. You don't address him as Jared. Jared. He's... Mr. J or the Joker. And I feel like that's a good method for some people. And I feel it does come across in the movie as other people acting against him. Like, it seems like they're uncomfortable about it. And he's been super weird all the time. So it it did do that. Because I always felt awkward when he came around saying stuff. It was like, ugh. The part where they're in, like, a strip club type place and Harley Quinn's dancing and he's talking to that guy. And it's just being really... Yeah. 
great. It felt, ugh, God, this, I, it, he's creeping me out, this guy. He's, he is really weird. The part where they're in the car and Batman jumps on the roof. Yeah. It's just, there's something extremely weird. I like that. But, but, I mean, this is a person who has to function all day, every day, and get all this shit accomplished and all these plans made. And if you have to imagine that every minute of the day he's like this, like he's, he has to have meetings with people to organize all this shit, right? He has to be on the phone with people to do it. Yeah, you he said he's got nothing. a little icon on his Facebook. <laughs> yeah, he's even got his own little things <laughs> he's made already. So there has to be a time, and I want to see that. I want to see a little bit of, like, I don't know. You want to see the Joker's day off. Or he's in his no, slippers. I, I I want him to be him, but the performance part of him needs to be when he's around people who he's trying to intimidate or freak out. And then maybe a little bit of alone time when he, we see that he's really nutbag. However, to accomplish what he's accomplishing. He's not magical, like you said. He doesn't have any weird skills. He can't manipulate people's minds so that we just instantly have the helicopter pilot do what he wants. Mm. He has to orchestrate all of it. And I just feel like if he threw a little bit of that in, in in straight line across from the type of guy that we have with Will Smith and the soldier guy, because you know, he's just a grounded, normal human being as well, you're, it just would feel a little bit more, I don't know. Grounded. They kind of made this version of the Joker like a cross between like a mob guy and a gangster rap kind of guy. Like a gang guy. So it, that's what it seems to to me. With all the tattoos and the... The way he holds his gun and all that is very, you know, yeah. gang stuff. But then there's also some mobster stuff in there. But like we say, it's not a, the Joker's not a big deal in this movie, even though you might think he is because he's right there on the cover and stuff. It is they're obviously waiting for later to. He's just introducing the Joker really. It mainly is in it because of Harley Quinn, and she has to have a link to. She has a link to him, so that whole storyline between them. Well, he interferes with what's going yeah. on without knowing what's going right. on. Yeah. But it's, it's like two storylines going on at the same time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's in it, but not a lot. Jai Courtney plays Captain Boomerang. We did mention him earlier. <laughs> I like Jai Courtney. A lot of people think he's terrible. I don't think he's terrible. Wasn't he in that one, uh, the Australian one? Ankin Bay or Anchor May or something like that. He was in um, Terminator, the new Terminator that we just watched, the Salvation one. And was, yeah, that was all right, but the one with... Um, Not Salvation, you know, which one I mean. The, the Gladiator, but in Australia. Yeah, he was in that, yeah. He was the guy, wasn't he? Like the... He was in um, he was like, Clash of the Titans. The name, what's the name of that one? A Gladiator in the Australia. Water... No, that wasn't the one. The one where he goes to find his son's bones in Australia after that. Being- yes, he was in that with uh, Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, Russell Crowe. Yeah. The gladiator. The was water it? diviner. It wasn't, that wasn't the water diviner, was it? Yes, it was the water diviner. Because that's how he started, the uh, Russell Crowe. His, his job was finding water. What was that other one? The Anzac one. Yeah. He was in that too, yeah. He was one of the soldiers. Were those two different ones? No. Same it, movie. It's the same movie. <laughs> But he was good in that. Yeah, he was good in that. That was my favorite in performance this, of it. they made him into not even a crazy character. Like, I love the way Holly Quinn plays it, or whatever her name is, and I love the way that Jared Leto plays it. I think it's the expectations that were put on them that kind of took away a little the, the potential. He 
doesn't have he's just being stupid and it's and also I'm a really bit not. crap the hero yeah like it's a it's a it's a bit insulting he doesn't like, do anything he acts I mean, like an idiot drinks beer in the middle of a battle he throws his stupid i mean it's rag. what it's what stereotypical it's like a stereotypical Australian thing. Oh, they drink beer and throw a boomerang. It's tells literally stupid that. jokes. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, and his boomerang doesn't do anything. So I did find that superhero slash villain kind of shit. It's it's pretty shitty. Yeah, but I, I didn't mind him. <laughs> you know. Well, I did because I think he could have been less about it. You know. Kara uh, Develine, I don't know how you say it, Delevine. She's a Victoria Secrets model lady, and she's not actually an actress until this movie, and she plays the Enchantress, which is the witch. And uh, what did you think of her? She was really good, but I could have swore she was Denise. No, she's not. Rid- Denise Richards' daughter, I swear. Something well, to do with her. Well, she has to do some wacky... She's good. <laughs> with the... I like that character. I like the witchy character. I like, I like the way that. it looks. I like too... that witch better than the one from the Marvel world. For right. sure. The Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Yeah, the Scarlet Witch is pretty... I like this look of this one with the weird mm-hmm. blackness all around her. and It's just cool looking. That part where the hand kind of... Yes. Yeah. Is, I do like it. And she played it really well. When she pulled through the mirror and like... She had to be really... She was just out there, wasn't she? She had to do all these weird body movements, you know? Um... Well, that could have been a body double, but... The only thing I didn't like about the Enchantress was it's so awesome when you realise what she can do, and then you don't really see what she can do. Correct. Um, which I would really like to see. Mr. Ben Affleck appears as Mr. Batman again, Mr. Bruce Wayne. If you liked him in the Batman v Superman, it's just more of Batman. It's very, very brief. Very brief. I really like Ben Affleck <laughs> as Batman. Jay Hernandez plays Diablo. Now he's the... he's really good, and he's one of the grounded ones that's not like wacky or. And crazy. he is a hero that has got a power in this movie, which there are not many who do, right? He has a proper power, like he can literally set things alight. True. So, yeah, yeah. There's something about him that. And there's a whole story, you know. Again, he doesn't want to do it. He's done with it. He doesn't want to burn people alive <laughs> and do that stuff. He's he's kind of in this situation where he's in jail for doing it for doing this thing. He, he turned himself his, in. Yeah, he killed his wife and children. Oh, spoiler! Jesus. And <laughs> that's he, like a big fat one. He um is done with. He wants to be good. He wants to be better. But this forces him into. I not, think he just wants to be nothing. Yeah. He, well, he, he even said like, "I'll just." I'm coming along with you, but I won't be yeah. participating. <laughs> but I, think I like him. His performance is good. His character is good. There's no levity. There's no anything. He's just damaged. And, and I feel like disturbed. that fits that character. That if he were to be goofy and then we find out the truth, then that would be inappropriate. Um, the only time it's funny is when they're trying to goat him at all. Like, and he's in the big water tank. and But he's not being funny. No. And then uh, Joel Kinnaman, who I really, really like, I've got to say. And he, was, he played uh, the Flag, which was the captain guy who goes with them. He's just a, a, a normal soldier. But he happens to be a, in love with the Enchantress, the lady who is the Enchantress. Well, the woman who the Enchantress invaded yeah, her body. Croft. Is that her? No, I'm just saying that, that, you know, when we see her backstory and she's like going down the thing and she finds the relic... Oh, yeah. It's very Lara Croft-esque. Um, I don't like him. I think he mumbles. I, I think he's I too really intense. I really like him. He's, he's awesome. too much. There are moments when he finally lightens up, but I feel like that's right after they've had a blooper. 
if we call them bloopers anymore, for the gag reel with Will Smith. And he kind of finally lets that jaw loose. I realize he's in an intense situation, but that 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 thing is too much. And his mumbling makes me want to just reach through the screen and like drag the directors by the hair and say, what the fuck is wrong with you people? The first time. We need everyone to enunciate their words. People don't mumble in life without somebody going, Well, he's putting on this strange accent, What'd you say? actually. I don't know what it is the, exactly, the accent, but... Mumbling? <laughs> what I really, like? My blah, blah, favorite blah. part about him is, I, I really like him. He was one of my favorite things. I kept thinking, I, I'd really like this guy. I want to see some more stuff with him in. But what I really liked about him in this was the first time he gets captured by the enemies, they all grab him. And then the second time, they grab him again. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? They keep grabbing this guy. He's useless. Like, they just keep grabbing him. And Deadshot and all of them have to rescue him. But that second time when Deadshot said they've captured the flag again, because he's called Flag. Well, that was excellent video game joke. Oh, there he is. Because they literally captured, you know, I, I was like, wow, this guy is supposed to be like elite trained or whatever. And shit, they keep grabbing hold of him. So uh, this is directed by David Ayer. Uh, David Ayer is a really good director. He directed Training Day with Denzel Washington, which is an excellent movie. And also another excellent movie, which, which is End of Watch with... Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, where they play the police, you know, with the cameras on them. Both amazing movies. What did you think of David Ayer being chosen to do this? Yeah, I think he pulled it off except for letting some of the performances be a little... Good cinematography, none of that shaky crap. Exactly. It's easy to follow what's going on. He's got a style about him in this. You know, like a, it's like a comic book style. There's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes where you go, oh, that has to be the page from a comic book. The way that oh, is Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, it just has to be. Or at least a um, drawing of the... Whatever you call it. What do they draw? The the pictures when they... Oh, my God. My brain is freezing. The thing where they draw out like little sketches of each shot. Storyboard. Storyboard, yeah. That yeah. that was somebody's idea of a cool storyboard, and then, boom, they just did it. Now, extras on this Blu-ray, there are a bunch. Um, there's Task Force X, One Team, One Mission. It tells you about the bad guys in detail. Squad strength and skills. It shows you how they uh, trained to do these parts. There's the Joker and Harley, the it couple of the underworld. It kind of explains their relationship a bit more than the movie does. There's Chasing the Real, which is about how the director wants it to look realistic instead of comic booky. And uh, there's a gag reel. Um, well, that doesn't sound like a lot. It actually is in terms of how long it lasts. The gag reel is kind of funny. Um, there's no di- director's commentary. It's the only thing missing for me because these special features are quite good. And it does, like, I also wanted it to dig into the comic book a bit more, Suicide Squad. You know, show you some of the comics and stuff, but they don't do that either. So, um, in conclusion on uh, Suicide Squad, what do you think? I enjoyed it. It was fun. That's my word. I good entry word into fun. this DC world of uh, movies. I think they... People say, oh, well, they'll never catch up to Marvel. It's not as good as Marvel. I think it is as good as Marvel. It's just different. They have a different darker tone. And if you don't like that darker tone, it's never going to win you over. If you like the more light kind of superheroes, you know, flying around in the Marvel stuff. But I like a gritty take on superheroes. That's why I love another DC property, Watchmen, which is another DC movie that you should see. So dark and adult- it's a superhero movie at heart. 
I like that kind of stuff. So this DC stuff is really drawing me in. So uh, yeah, I recommend Suicide Squad uh, and make it a triple bill. Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and then finish it with Suicide Squad. Excellent night of entertainment. So, thanks to Warner Brothers for the uh, Blu-ray. And next week's Blu-ray review is Morgan, which is uh, Ridley Scott's son's first movie. So uh, we'll look at that. Performing or directing? Directing. Writing and directing? I believe so. I think Ridley's got something to do with it. We'll find out next week when we look into it in detail. Morgan. So uh, movie recommendations. Mine are based on Suicide Squad. I'm going with Man of Steel because it's fantastic. It's my favorite <laughs> DC movie. Uh, the music to Man of Steel by Hans Zimmer. I just sit and listen to it sometimes. It's so good. You know that the actual Man of Steel theme? It just... It's like inspiring or something. Aww. When you sit there and listen to it, it's just... I love your you know, mind. You know which one I mean, though? Yeah. It's awesome. So, yeah, listen to that. Uh, go on YouTube and put Man of Steel, Hans Zimmer, and listen to that. Oh, so good. Um, so, Man of Steel. My second one is Unbreakable. It's a superhero movie that not a lot of people probably know about these days. It's been out for quite a while. And it was before superhero movies were even a thing. And it's a very low-key look at some superheroes. And it is awesome. It stars Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis. And it's by M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. <laughs> and it's when M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong was really good. I mean, I think he lost his way a bit. Because he made some really good films there at the beginning. So yeah, Unbreakable. Yours are? Mine are in the the spirit of the season, which is the... Winter celebrations of whatever your holiday is. For us, it's Christmas, even though there's no real Christmas involved in my holiday celebration. I'm not a Christmas. Christian person. I'm not a Christmas person, but I like Christmas. I don't give a shit. And uh, the first one is Die Hard. Because as we all know, it's a total Christmas movie. It is. <laughs> UBKA, Santa Claus. And the other one is Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It is one of those stop frame animations I have not Never got seen in my it. collection. I need to add that to my collection. I haven't watched it yet this year. Never I think seen it's a little it. bit creepy, but I think it. I think it's uh, one of those that I remember when the little CBS logo spun around on the TV screen, and I was a little kid, and I would sit right up next to the TV and be like, <gasps> and then I wouldn't get up. Is and it go, from the seventies? I believe so. 60s, 70s, probably. All yeah. right. Thank you. So, Hi. games and a scully stuff this week. I've been playing more of a Final Fantasy fifteen. Uh, and as Jim Sterling calls it, the beautiful boy simulator, which I thought was kind of funny. So it's like, um, it's the new Final Fantasy game. I'm not really progressing very much because I keep like going off track and looking at stuff. Um, it's how I kind of, I, I always do that in these open world games. I spend more time farting around, like just looking at things than actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then if the, then I look at the timer and I'll go, wow, I played this game for 20 hours and I'm like, I'm only on chapter three. And there's like 16 chapters. Probably be playing for 100 hours the way I'm going. It's just the way I play games. Like, I just really want to experience them. And I don't want them to end as well. I hate that. So, um, Final Fantasy 15. It's really good. It's on the PS4. I'm playing it. Um, you've seen seen quite a bit of it. It's really beautiful to look at. It definitely is beautiful. Yeah, it's like a the world that they've created in it is just like... It's, it's kind of based on reality because there's cars and roads and but then the actual landscape is really kind of fantasy 
hence Final Fantasy. So yeah, you mean you think riding a giant purple bird is not an element of fantasy? Yeah, you ride yeah. a chocobo, a giant pink bird, mine is, I believe. Um, it's got the Final Fantasy stuff in there, but it's way more like you know grounded a bit this time. It's not full on like swords and leather armor and all that stuff. It's like a, kind of a cross between pop culture and this fantasy world. It's really good. I highly recommend it. I think it's one of my favorite games this year, to be honest. The other thing I've been playing this week is my probably my favorite game of this year, Overwatch. I play Overwatch all the time, but they've added this Christmas. It's called Overwatch Winter Wonderland, I believe. And uh, all the loot crates that you win from now on, for, you know, in, during this period, are like Christmas themed. So you get like Christmas outfits for your characters that are limited edition that you can't get after these few weeks. Um, you get, there's a new mode called Maze Snowball Fight, and instead of shooting at each other, you're throwing snowballs. It's kind of fun, and it's got Christmas music playing. The whole stage is decorated with Christmas trees and candy canes. They've really gone overboard to make it very Christmas-themed this time. And if you own Overwatch, it's all free, because they don't charge you for anything after the initial game purchase, which is how games should be. And third, Forza Horizon 3 also had a Christmas expansion this week. And they added Blizzard Mountain, which is really weird because the whole game takes place in Australia. Yet they've added this little expansion on, which is like Blizzard Mountain. It's a snowy mountain, which I I don't think there is much snow in Australia. But you just have to... It's a video game, so this, this Blizzard Mountain is right next door to the desert. So you go there, it's completely different to Australia, obviously. Deep snow, blizzards break out when you're riding up the mountain... And you can't see anything in front of you. It's it's really cool because there are some races in the new expansion that are start off where the weather's quite nice, but with snow on the ground, and finish like as you get into the end where you're in a full-on blizzard. So it really like lap three of the whole thing, you can barely see anything. So it really brings a different thing to your racing. So that's it for this week uh, for games and school stuff. I would recommend all three of those things. They're excellent. <laughs> Stanguli, uh, we watched one last night called The Brides of Dracula. Yeah. Did you like it? Uh, I did. I liked it, but then I kind of um, I'm kind of off board with the idea that it's, there is no Dracula. He's not Dracula. He's just a minion. No. Yeah. And then he bites some women. I mean, I liked it because I was really into it. Peter Cushing's fine. I'm not sure. I, I'll take Peter Cushing over. Lon Chaney Jr. any day. Oh, yes, I agree yeah. with that. But no, I had, it was fun. And it's really detailed and it's long and it's got a lot more going on. That creepy mother and. It's one of those Hammer films from the 60s. Was it? Yeah. No, I think it was a Hammer film. Yeah, he said it was. No, he said he had been in Hammer oh. films. So it wasn't actually, but. Universal then, right? Yeah. But it's from the 60s, not. 1960. Yeah. And next week's uh, Svengoolie is The Cat and the Canary. Oh. And it probably will not have a cat or a canary. <laughs> yeah, that's the way they go. So what's for dinner tonight? Tonight will be rice with vegetables and a quarn, not corn, quarn, fillet, fillet, whatever you call it. We don't eat meat, therefore it is a vegetarian... Um, fillet. Yeah, but it is really... I mean, maybe it's been... It's what cutlet, it that's what yeah. it is. It's been years and years, and so eating one of these that I've cooked in a nice... Kind of sauce 
and you always put ketchup on it regardless of what else I do to it. Um, it's just, it's like you've got a chicken breast that's been like one of those pressed chicken breasts. Not like real one. No, I'm not going to claim that. That's really good. Yeah, that's what it tastes like. And then my rice has like broccoli, cauliflower, corn, red peppers in it. I made some chips and dip, which you will not eat, but I will probably eat it all. And let me tell you my little adventure of the weekend. I was supposed to go drive. My family was about three hours away, most of them. So we were going to go and have supper Friday night at this place called the Catfish House, northeast Missouri, and meet up there with this one branch of my family. We all used to get together at our grandparents' house on Christmas Eve. It was just part, it was the religion of our family. You did it, and that's the way it was for like 25 years. Then our grandparents passed. They're both gone. And so since then, we've sort of pecked together an annual thing, you know, of the whole of the family. And this year, we were all just going to go out to supper. So I set off at 1.30 in the afternoon when the freezing rain began. It's a three and a half hour drive. I didn't get there till 8 p.m. Now, that is a long day of driving in the freezing rain, in the dark. Saw 12 vehicles crashed, flipped, or otherwise crunched on the side of the road and made it there. Missed the supper because the restaurant wanted to close. So only like four or five of our family members were able to make it, which is fair because it was bad weather. But then the next day we were going to have our our own immediate family at my dad's house. Brother, sister, nieces, nephews, and whatnot. And because of the weather, my brother canceled that as well. So basically, <laughs> I drove up there. <laughs> Essentially, I wasn't going to hit any of the hotspots. I had made the parts of a gingerbread house, which never has been assembled. I got a few other ingredients, which was good, actually, because staying in the motel that night, because I ended up staying in a motel, my sister got me a room. Um, there's nothing in a motel room in a tiny little town. There's no coffee maker. There's nothing. There's a soda machine out in the freezing rain. Um, so I had some, like, cheese and chips and cookies that I got. <laughs> For the event, which never happened. But I got, I stopped and visited with my father for a little bit and then drove home in what? Snow and slidey freezing roads. Today it's really cold. Yes, it's really cold. There's no bad weather happening. But essentially, I drove all the way up and down, didn't do the family thing. However, because we incur, we put it together. All of our family communicated with each other for the last week or so. Everybody talking about seeing each other and sharing pictures and people getting stuff ready. My aunt made a bunch of candy, which I luckily got a plate of in the end because my sister brought it to me. You know, we it's still like, even though we didn't do the thing, it was still in our minds that being together is important. And so it kind of leads into my advice and one part of the conversation with my father, my father and I have never got along, ever, ever, ever. I mean, there's just it's just the history of how we are. In the last few years, I figured he's old and he's probably not going to last much longer. So just make an effort, you know. He's not going to. He's like this 77-year-old small... And I'm, this is going to sound really offensive to a lot of people, but that's just the way it is. This is reality. He's from a small town and he's the first one to tell you, and this is part of our conversation. Small town, racist asshole and that's what he calls himself and he says i don't even know why i do not know why i've never been anywhere i've never done anything i've never met any other people but i watch the tv and you know, goes on into his tirade about every other race and every other language and every other country and women and of course homosexual people or anyone who's not the straight up man or woman person he will just go on and on and on this is part of probably why i've never really got along with him i'm the youngest of four you know, I was just not into the 
I wasn't, I, don't, I never followed. My brother kind of followed more of in his footsteps. So I had a good conversation with him. But in that conversation, we got off on the subject of him, of course, telling me when he dies, he doesn't want anything. He doesn't want anything. He said, now by God, you better make sure I'm dead and that's it. Then you, you cremate me. And I don't care what you do with me. You flush me down the toilet. You dump me on the ground. I don't give a shit. Some people dig a post hole and dump them in. I don't want that, though. I don't want to be buried anywhere. I said, are you afraid of small places? I don't know. I said, because it's not going to matter. You're going to be dead. He's, he laughed. He goes, I don't want that. I don't want anything. No obituary. No funeral. Nothing. I said, so basically you want us all to pretend you didn't exist. I don't care. I just don't want any of that. The ironic part of that is that every single day he goes to his computer and my brother has made him folders in his bookmark, bookmarks, you know, at the top, of the obituaries for four different websites, the local TV, two radio stations, and a newspaper. And he had already told me that he goes there every day to see who's died and he does some genealogy. And I said, so don't you think other people are doing the same thing and going, oh, I wonder if Tommy Redding died yet. You know what I mean? Like, and he laughed again. He goes, I don't know about that. I said, yeah, you don't know because you're full of shit. They say old people are fascinated with obituaries, don't they? Right, but he wants nothing like that. And so I'm trying to tell him that he's being a hypocrite. And I said, you are going to have to tell Randy. Randy's the oldest brother. He's the son. I said, he's going to be in charge. So whenever you and mom... <laughs> We're very straightforward in my family. I said, when your mom dropped dead, Randy's in charge. I hope you both know that because whatever you tell him... He's, we will do, the, we sisters will do what he says. We trust him, right? Sort of. He laughed again. You know, he, he thinks I'm hilarious because I don't, I'm not, I don't shy away. I don't go, oh, now, don't talk about that. Because I'm just like, he's right. He's old and we're going to deal with, he's had to deal with his dead parents and my mom has had to deal with her dead parents. And so I think he's trying to prepare us. But he said, you know, the hardest thing I've ever had to do is try to die. And I said, I said, well, stop trying so hard. Maybe it'll just happen. I said, but don't, and I said again, don't die on Christmas. I mean, seriously. There are a lot of people who care, and they, you know. And I said, it's going to be hard for you not to be remembered, if that's what you want. Because you have four children, a bunch of grandchildren, great-grandchildren, nieces and nephews. Yeah, I know, but you'll all forget me fast enough. And so what this tells me is, as much as I've had in my past where I hated him, I, d I could have been happy for him to die when I was a teenager. That's the truth. He was a jerk, violent asshole, right? But as I watch him age, and then you hear bits like that come out, and you wonder, you can associate a person's behavior with what they think of themselves, you know? That if a person truly wants it so they never existed, like they're not worth remembering, and that's been one of his mantras through all of my life. He was an alcoholic as well. So in his long tirades and drunkenness at night, he'd just sit there with his head in his hand. I might as well just fucking kill myself now and get it over with. Nobody's going to care. You know, so that was as a theme in his mind and in his life. It's obviously reflected in his behavior and the choices that he's made. And so as I watch him and I think, it's an interesting question. Because what's the point of being remembered, really? It doesn't do anything. Thing, other than if you've taught somebody something valuable or so like my question would be like how do you want to be remembered do you want to be remembered do you even think about it it sounds grim I know but in my case I'll just say for me I understand that when I'm dead I'm dead I don't have any religious stuff I don't have an afterlife thing I don't believe in anything when I'm dead I'm done I mean I'm done and all that I have left behind or that I will ever be is already known by all the people who have known me. If they've met me 
and have a memory of me, then that's me. That's my afterlife. And if it fades quickly, it doesn't bother me, but I don't want to make an effort so that I'm just nothing. You know, and, but if I am nothing, if I am forgetting, forgotten instantly or whatever, that's fine too, because I'm not going to know any different. But I think that leaving behind some lessons or some inspiration or something of beauty or interest or an invention or a kind word or a, a vibe that you've given every person that comes across you that you you care and that makes them feel valuable in some way. I mean, that's, that's how you be remembered. An obituary is literally just a little write-up. It's a very short synopsis of your whole life, who your, you know, parents were and when you died and what you were and sometimes how you died and where you're going to be buried. I mean, that's all an obituary is. And yet it does tell the world that you died and someone can look it up a hundred years from now and, you know, track it back. And he's a big genealogy freak, which is also hilarious because then I'm like, then nobody's ever going to find you. And he cusses and he swears when he can't find somebody. Now, by God, back in 1925, I can't find the any anything about so-and-so great-great-great-grandpa. Well, there you go. <laughs> so it's an interesting thing that his feelings about himself also color this this thing that he's planning for when he dies. That he wants to be like like he like somebody hit the delete button and then empty the recycle bin and that was it. There's no even like trace of a memory of him on the hard drive. It's just gone. He's been overwritten <laughs> and that's it. And I don't particularly think that's sad or anything. I think that's just the reality of some people's minds. I myself, I'm a little too egotistical, I suppose. I'm a little bit full of myself. Um, and I guess that's the word to use. Arrogance. Like I think that I've been important to some people. But when I die, I mean, that'll be that, right? And so I don't have any advice. Just think about how you want to be remembered. All right. So I'll remind you Cheery about... Cheery subject. Like more Christmas. Yeah. Happy Christmas, everybody. <laughs> I'll remind you about our websites, uh, ascoli.com and sidtow.com. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the uh, Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store, and the RSS feed, ascoli.com slash podcast. You can listen or subscribe there. A scully at ascully.com is my email address if you want to email me. Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't like you. Next week will be the last show of this year, I believe. Um, or at least maybe the first. <laughs> there might be another one after it. But next week, uh, I'll say Merry Christmas now because it will be on Boxing Day. Americans don't know what Boxing Day is. The 26th of uh, December. But next week we will have our top ten movies for the year, which we always do. At we'll this have time. it next week, next Saturday. That's yeah. the day before Christmas. That's just Christmas Eve. The twenty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it Eve. goes up on a Monday, which will be the twenty. Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> on the Boxing we Day, we will review the movie Morgan. Or you we could will... give him a special Christmas bonus and release it, put it out there on Christmas Eve. We will have our top. Yeah, maybe we will have our top ten movies of the year based on the movies we've watched here. You know, I don't follow that rule, right? It's not going to be ten. It's usually five. <laughs> oh, when you make it ten. Oh, so you're coming. So now I have to do more. <laughs> it's just ten. <laughs> And uh, our worst movie of the year, we will also announce that. And Hell yeah. We'll, we will have seen the new Star Wars movie, Rogue One, by that time. So we will have our view on Star Wars Rogue One. So tune in for that bumper show next week. <laughs> and stay classy, The Suicide Squad. 
very enjoyable and uh, look forward to the next DC movie. And I'm going to say, think for yourselves or someone will do it for you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>